0: welcome to the geeky podcast where we like things i'm void and i'm here with my co-host Beige. and i like everything especially you so sweet oh today we are talking about well okay listeners we wanted to talk about hamilton and then we realized that neither one of us has enough experience with music or theater or musical theater to actually like dive into it and critique it and like really get into the the depths of it, which is what we wanted to do. So we took a step back and we thought, well, how can we talk about Hamilton, but also maybe have a wider topic. So we decided that we're going to do the best of the first half of 2016. Um, we know that when we get to the end of the year, we're going to do some kind of end of the year podcast where we recap everything that we liked in 2016, the best of the best. And we also were thinking that Usually when you get to that point in the year, you forget about things that happened early in the year, especially the first half. So it's almost July, you know, we're a little bit past halfway through the year. And we thought we would cover everything we've liked up to this point in media, you know, books, movies, games, everything. I think we're mostly going to end up talking about games, but We'll see what happens here. We'll see how it goes. And hopefully this way we'll have this to refer back to when we do get to those end of the year podcasts. And we won't forget the early games that came out this year in the wake of all of the end of the year releases that always come out.
1: Yeah. Just the slew of Christmas releases trying to make money from all the kids.
0: Exactly. So that was our thought process. That is what we are here for tonight. <laughs> We're going to try it out. Um, But first, I mean, I guess we'd want to talk about Hamilton. Like You know, we're talking about the best of the first half of the year, and I think Hamilton is probably the best piece of media, like game, movie, book, anything out of all the stuff we're talking about. Hamilton's probably my favorite find of the year so far. What do you think? Hands, hands down. It
1: is probably the best, probably the best piece of media I found in years in general. I'm, I am so sorry for giving you such a hard time for how much you listened to it at first. You came around. I did. And I've pretty much come around to the point where that's all I listen to now is Hamilton. Whenever I'm working out, I listen to Hamilton. When I wake up, I sing songs about the dog to the tune of Hamilton songs. My wife joins in. We make medleys and duos, duets about our pets to the tune of Hamilton songs. We have Alexander Puppyton that we sing every single morning to the dog. It has kind of taken over our life and I'm kind of okay with that. She had listened to a couple of songs initially and didn't see what the big deal was. And then I told her what you told me was just start from the beginning, set yourself some time and just listen straight through, which is my advice to all of you out there as well. Listen to it straight through it has a story. I mean, it, it's a musical. It's an opera. It's awesome. It is. Brilliant! It is fantastic, and she came around to the point where she came in from the gym one time. She's like, "Okay, I totally get why you love Hamilton so much now." And it is essentially all we've listened to the entire time since since we started that months ago.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if you don't know from us talking about this on the podcast before, it's a musical about the life of Alexander Hamilton, and it's in it's essentially two acts, and one leads into the Mm -hmm. other. But the first act is the Revolutionary War, and I mean, it starts from before that, and it's kind of a. Musical from Hamilton's perspective, but also not really, it kind of pulls out to a countrywide perspective and a global perspective. Then the second act gets into what happens after the founding of the country after the Revolutionary War, and like how the first couple administrations of our government shook out and how Hamilton was a part of that. It's just it's amazing. Like it's blown me away. I mean, at this point, I haven't listened to an audiobook since Finding Hamilton. My kind of default when I'm out walking or running or whatever, I will listen to whatever podcast I'm listening to first. And then if I finish up my podcast, if I run out or I'm all caught up, I'll switch over to whatever audiobook I'm listening through. Right now, and for the past two or three months since I found Hamilton, it goes podcasts and then Hamilton. Like I haven't touched yep. an audiobook. And that should tell you a lot because I love audiobooks.
1: I had to cancel my Audible membership because I was getting too many credits backed up that I spent seven credits two days ago and canceled my, my subscription just because I haven't listened to enough since then. And now I have a complete backlog of seven audiobooks that I know I have not listened to because of Hamilton, because usually I do the same thing. I'm at the gym. I'm driving around. I'm mowing the lawn. I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook, and now it's Hamilton. I listened to two podcasts this afternoon while I was mowing the lawn, and I felt so proud
0: of myself because I broke out of the, the Hamilton chains. It's basically the best musical I've ever heard. Like and I've I've listened to musicals kind of my whole life because my mom was always into them. So I've heard all the ones she liked and you know all of the classics as a kid like Rent and I don't even know. There's there's a bunch of them out there that are classics. Um, and this one blows them all away. Like, if you've never listened to a musical before, or if you have listened to musicals before and you're a fan, you should definitely listen to Hamilton because it's just, it's amazing storytelling. It's a fantastic narrative. The amount of story and narrative content that they fit into the time that they have, just, it's astonishing. Like, because it's kind it of is. this- it's kind of like a hip hop, it's not rap, it's like hip hop, right? It's hip hop. Yeah. Hip
1: hop and R and B really more than anything else. They really draw on so many different kinds of urban music and revolutionary music. And you think it sounds ridiculous until you see it. That until you hear it and and understand what's going on, the idea is absurd and there has never been anything that is fit so perfectly together for me. It is It is a masterpiece, and it deserves every single one of the Tonys that it won. I see a $10 bill now, and I get excited because that's got my buddy Hammy on it. Like, I love it.
0: (laughs) I love that. And it's like, I mean, because it's hip hop, it has such a, a dense amount of content in such a short amount of time. I mean, there are songs where if you actually pay attention to where the song starts and where it ends narratively, you realize how many scenes and how many minutes Mm -hmm. of play, like if it were a play instead of a musical, how long that would have taken. So the entire content of Hamilton as a musical is probably as much as, what would you say, three or four different theatrical plays maybe?
1: Yeah, it is. It is incredibly dense and it is so well written that you don't really realize it, that even I've listened to it dozens of times at this point. There is no telling how many times I've played through Hamilton. And at this point, I still find lyrics and points that are being made that I
0: didn't notice before. Yeah, it is so expertly written that I keep I keep picking up new through lines, like things that Uh are said early and that line reappears late in the entire production. And I've listened to it, I was trying to estimate before this podcast, it's easily over 50 times. I'm not sure how yeah, many I've over Yeah, I've listened it. to
1: it 40, 50, 60 times at least, just having it on yeah. and going,
0: doing things. Hamilton is amazing like I said we do not have the critical skills to analyze it as a musical and like dive in deep like a critic would but we can tell you it is really good and you should spend time with it if you haven't yet
1: I was a theater minor in college I did theater in high school and I never did musicals but I've been around theater for a long time and I still don't have the skill set to give this production the the critical eye that it deserves so the best that I can say to you is even if you don't like hip-hop if that is not your kind of music that is fine this very well may still be and probably is something that you will love or at least like and appreciate because I've known other people who don't like that kind of music see this and realize oh my goodness this is so well done it doesn't matter how i feel about this this genre of music this it all coming together is is what actually makes it art like go listen to it on spotify or youtube or wherever you can find it right now or after this podcast
0: yeah after the podcast <laughs> but after. and at this point i am going to be surprised if anything outdoes hamilton for my pick of the year when we get to the end of the year and if yeah, if if it honestly. does if something else comes up that'll be fantastic because that'll mean it's a just amazing piece of media that outdoes it if anything It'll have to be like the version of Hamilton that they actually filmed on stage with the original Broadway cast when they <laughs> coming out in August on in PBS. August. Yeah, exactly in August on PBS. Um, so it will be in the second half of the podcast, and
1: you'll get to hear us gush about seeing Hamilton because we don't have ten thousand dollars to
0: pay for tickets. Oh, but it's so good. Okay, so there we, we gushed over Hamilton. That was what we wanted to do mainly for the episode. But everything else, everything else, um, should be a little less gushy. But okay, so. Yeah. Movies if I had to pick a movie of the year so far that came out this year It would probably be Captain America Civil War and I mean okay. if, if you want to hear about that We did an entire podcast about it all of our thoughts just check the feed Um, but you know, I I was much more blown away by Star Wars The Force Awakens Which is kind of cheating because it came out right before 2016 It was the end of December but it's on blu-ray this year, but it did come out on blu-ray this year. So, I love Star Wars. It's one of my favorites. I'm not going to talk about it too long right here just because technically it was kind of a 2015 release. Star Wars The Force Awakens remains just one of my favorite movies of, you know, all of the recent years put together.
1: It's it's astonishing that was the first one that came into mind for me too. When we were looking back at media that and movies that I've watched this year, there's been very little that stood out to me. Honestly, the first half of 2016 has been kind of lackluster in movies for me. I've seen a few of them. I've seen a handful. But my in-laws gave me a gift this Christmas that instead of buying me something, they just gave me movie gift cards so that I could see The Force Awakens as many times as I wanted while it was in theaters. I mean, such a should, good gift. It was it was brilliant. It was perfect. That that is that's how much I love it. That's how much I feel like it it, it should be the top of the movie list. But at the same time, since it didn't come out this year, since technically the release dates got always going to say twenty fifteen. I have to say Zootopia. I was so excited to see Zootopia in the theater that I rushed out on release weekend to watch it, that we're generally the only people in Disney movies and animated movies who don't have kids with them. And I love Zootopia. I thought it was well-animated. I thought it was well-acted. I thought it was well-written. I thought it was exquisitely written, actually. When you go and look at it from a script and from from a narrative perspective, from a social commentary perspective, from just a joke perspective and the way that they're using sight gags and it's directed, it's just such a good movie. And it proves to me that Disney animation, it can do in 3D using computer-generated movies what they used to be able to do in hand drawn animation. That Frozen is great and I love Frozen. Rap- Rapunzel Tangled is is very good, but Zootopia is the one that I think really did exactly what this kind of media does. Talk about issues that you can get and see, have a really good time with it and at the same time a pr- let it be accessible to kids who just understand that this is the way that the world works or should work and apply it to their own lives as they they
0: grow up I just I'm gushing about Zootopia and I didn't even realize that I loved it that much I saw this for the first time actually this week and um I watched it with my son and my wife and like I I didn't watch it in theaters it wasn't a big thing that I was super excited about but I was like I'll get around to it when it's out And um, I sat down to watch it. I didn't even tell anyone else because I wasn't expecting anything from it. And within the first 10 minutes or so, my wife had wandered by and my son had wandered by and they both sat down because they immediately got invested in it. So I think this was a really good movie, too. I haven't had enough time for it to sink in to say if it becomes one of my movies of the year. But along the lines of what you were talking about, I actually think that Disney is just killing it right now in a good way. Yeah, they are. Um, I mean, killing it in a positive way, which is kind of a weird (laughs) It's kind of a weird statement to be positive. It, um, it is. I, but you know what I mean? Like Disney is doing such a good job with their 3D CG animated um, films now. I actually think they're doing better than Pixar. The last couple of Pixar movies yeah. have been kind of, eh, you know, they're OK. And then the last I couple of like, the last couple of Pixar movies to 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 really go on to that. I still haven't seen the good dinosaur or Finding Dory. Yeah. And I don't really feel a drive to see those. But the Disney ones that are coming out are really good and You know, John Lasseter has actually moved from Pixar to being Mm -hmm. one of the higher ups in Disney, and I think that he has a really positive influence over there. Who knows how much influence on what movie exactly, because he gets credit on basically all the Disney movies. But um, John Lasseter's influence, I think, can definitely be seen at Disney as a whole. So I'm excited to see more of what Disney has to offer across, you know, Marvel, Star Wars and things like Zootopia, you know, things that are aimed more towards kids.
1: And I'm super excited for Moana. Uh, Because Philippa Sue is in it and she is that is Eliza from Hamilton and from what I read and I'm not exactly sure how much he's invested in it but Lin-Manuel Miranda is working on some of the songs if there's any truth to my having read that I read it about Philippa Sue that is true and then my wife was telling me about Lin-Manuel Miranda being working on the songs if that's true then Moana will be one of our
0: movies of the year because we're like Hamill nerds Yeah, if you guys don't know, he's the guy who wrote Hamilton. Right. And he's also the guy who has been playing Hamilton for the majority of the run of the show. So he's kind of Until this week. Yeah, it's his last week. But I mean, he's going to always be on that, you know, original Broadway cast recording. He's the one that they recorded um the video of that we're going to see in August. We're back to Hamilton now. How did this happen? Um because oh, it's amazing. It is amazing. We got to keep moving on. We have so many things on Truth. the list. So But yeah, it he- does
1: tie into the topic at least. But but yes, I'm looking very forward to the to what
0: Disney has going ahead of us. Has a head for us. He's also going to be in the sequel to uh, Mary Poppins that Disney is working on. But I didn't know that. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. But OK, on to TV. We didn't have a whole lot for movies. I have a lot more for TV than you do. So I'll kick you it off do. with a couple. Um, Game of Thrones is absolutely fantastic this season. I am not going to get into it too much because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, especially my co-host who has not actually seen any of the season except season one. I think season six is the best season of Game of Thrones so far. Excellent. And as soon as they got beyond the books it it became so much more interesting to me not only because i read the book so i kind of knew what was going to happen up to that point but also because they finally didn't have to deal with all this baggage and they can kick it up into a speed of show that actually fits tv like they don't have to drag right. it out you know they can just hit all the major points and not feel like they have to stick to the books season 6 is amazing the final two episodes i think episode 9 has one of without telling you anything really about it. But I mean, there's always a battle in episode nine. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's probably one of the best battles that has ever been put to film or video or TV or anything like that. I mean, like the feeling that you got, if you're old enough to have seen Saving Private Ryan around the time that it came out, like that level of, oh my God, I'm there. And it's just like stressful, but it gives you this, amazing feeling of place and presence and just sense of being on a battlefield this has done that again but in 2016 for another setting and awesome it it blew me away and then episode 10 as far as the amount of plot points that were finally wrapped up and completed and like character arcs that kind of got to a point that they've been obviously leading to. I'm trying to talk around this without actually giving it away. But season 10 had a lot Would you of like me to mute my headphones. No, I just just season um not season. Episode 10 had so much payoff and it was so worth it. So, I mean, you have to watch this season if you've watched through season five and you thought kind of eh, maybe this isn't for me anymore because season five was kind of slow. You have to watch season six. It is amazing. That's that's all I'm going to say as far as that
1: one goes. And I'm looking really forward to watching it actually, but I get the benefit of binging it now where everyone else was watching it week to week. I'm gonna be able to watch three, four, five episodes at a time, depending on how my schedule allows, where I'm really actually looking forward to watching it that way. Because that's always been one of my biggest frustrations with Game of Thrones. As much as I love the show, I get disinterested when I'm not watching it. If I'm watching it, I get engaged and I want the next episode immediately, but if I am not actively watching it, I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good show. And then I'm watching it like, Oh my goodness, this is the best thing ever. Give me more. Feed me with the game of Thrones, all the blood. And it's just like a completely different way of looking at things for me. And I don't understand why that one show does that to me, but I am fully invested when I'm watching it. So binging this season being so good I will be living in Westeros during that time, and I look so forward to doing it. And I'm probably going to try this week so I don't
0: get spoiled on anything. Somehow I've managed not to be spoiled all season long. I am excited to talk to you about it when you finally get to it. I guess as far as the season goes, the other thing I wanted to say was, I mean, you guys probably know this if you've listened a bunch, but I don't really like rewatch things or replay things um, very often. It's very rare for me to go back and consume the same piece of media more than once and there were three separate episodes in this season of Game of Thrones that I watched them and the very next night I rewatched them. Wow. Yeah, I that says a lot about it for me and how amazing this was as a season. As far as other TV, um, Star Wars Rebels Season 2, I liked it a lot. If you're a Star Wars fan or if you were ever a Clone Wars fan or if you liked Rebels Season 1, there's probably something there for you. But it's, you know, it's kind of like it's light Star Wars. It's kind of for kids, but there's also stuff in there for adults. Um. I don't know what to say that's really in-depth about it, except that I liked it. And then like Daredevil Season 2, I've talked about that in a few of our podcasts where Mm -hmm. we touched on Marvel. Um, I didn't love Season 1 for a lot of reasons, but like the hyperviolence and the fact that it was yet another origin story. Season 2, I thought the Punisher was one of the most interesting characters that I've seen in Marvel. And the way that he's handled throughout the season and just like... I don't know. It, it was a much better season altogether. than season one of Daredevil. So I like Daredevil season two. And then the last one for me for TV was and I know a lot of people miss this was it was the final season of Mythbusters. Did you watch any of this? Oh, no, I didn't. I haven't watched a lot of Mythbusters in years, actually. See, and that's what a lot of people have been saying when I tell them about this, like, oh, yeah, I watched it. And then I, I fell off a couple seasons ago. And that's that's a very common theme, especially people who kind of gave up around the time that Tori Carrie, and Grant left and it was just back to the Mm. Mythbusters when it was back to just Jamie and Adam but uh, this season was basically they were okay when you're on cable TV usually you have like a strong arc to your show and then when the ratings start to fall off eventually one season you'll just get canceled and you just won't get picked up again that's why almost every cable show that you watch unless it's narrative driven but almost every right. cable show that you watch just kind of ends at some point with no warning at all the Mythbusters were actually given their final season and they were told Next season is going to be your last season. Here's an extra big budget. What do you want to do to send it off in style? Oh, So the entire season, it was not as long as the last few seasons. I think it's only about 10 episodes. And every single episode is amazing. Like if you ever liked Mythbusters in the past... You will love the final season of it. And I think a lot of people missed it. So that's why I wanted to draw attention to it because it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that they had done extra special stuff with extra budget and all of that to actually get it going that I I just kind of written it off as being another one of those reality type shows that's interesting and that
0: I'll watch when it's there, but not make a whole lot of effort to see. Yeah, they basically took like all of the core things that they have done in the past and they one up themselves. Or there were a couple things that they said, we've always wanted to do this, we never got the chance, now is the time. I mean, there's one episode where they basically just went to Jamie and said, hey, you you know, if we just let you do whatever you want, just for fun, just to find out about it, what would you do? And that was like half of (laughs) an episode, and it was really good. So That would be really interesting. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then they end the season with a big bang, too, of course, with explosions and like plowing through things, and it was awesome. But if you haven't seen the final season of Mythbusters, and you have liked literally any Mythbusters in the past, go watch the final season. It's worth your time. Wow. That's high praise. Awesome. So... I actually had a lot from TV this year. That was kind of surprising for me. How about you? I see you don't have a whole lot for TV. TV is one of those things that I absolutely love.
1: I started a PhD program in film and television studies. I mean, I love TV. I, I that That is what I do. And so the last actually few years of TV have been fairly disappointing for me that there are great shows on there, but there is very little on television that warrants the amount of time investment that shows used to for me like used to it would be lost or something like that that would just suck me in immediately and even when I get want to get invested in something now I just can't that there is something about it that I'm I'm, this is this essential quality and the only thing that can keep my attention my full attention and it's going to sound ridiculous are the sitcoms that are on air right now (laughs) that about (laughs) And it sounds weird. I know from the guy who said, you know, that I started a film and television studies PhD. It's like, oh, but I'm watching sitcoms every night. But those are the ones that really good sitcoms are the ones that generally keep my attention because they're short. And that that's a big thing is time is a big thing for me. So there's a handful of them that I watch all the time that I just absolutely adore, fresh off the boat and blackish. I love them, but they're not on my list. But the one that I actually really wanted to talk about
0: was Fuller House have you seen this like this is one of i liked it okay. a lot like i mean i watched full house as a kid so Full there House. It yeah it it struck a chord and it was it was really good my wife and i binged the whole thing in two nights i think and we're right. super excited for season two
1: okay we're re-watching it right now wow. because it was one of those that let me give you guys a disclaimer on this that this
0: is in no way a good show
1: if you that didn't I'm, watch
0: the original show especially yes
1: it is, it is poorly acted, it has cliche stories, and hits on every trope of a sitcom and, and 90s sitcom that you can possibly expect. It has pop culture in-jokes that you may or may not get, and it is lovely because it is exactly what it sets out to be. I have very rarely experienced television that is exactly down to the letter of what it sets out to achieve and actually achieves it fuller house does it is an early 90s sitcom recorded and broadcast in The middle uh, in the twenty first century in twenty sixteen, it is brilliant because of how terrible it is, how (laughs) purposefully bad it is, while still maintaining that sense of sitting down on the couch on Friday night and being at home. TGIF. That I can yes, I turn it on and I feel like I am eight years old watching TGIF, and I am thirty three sitting at home laughing at Kimmy Gibbler knowing that this is bad it is objectively bad but my I am is so emotionally invested through both nostalgia and just honestly kind of like you were at the uh, battle in Game of Thrones just amazed that they were able to pull this off successfully that it is not something that I would ever qualify it will never win awards it is not the kind of TV show That I am, I want to say that I wouldn't get invested in the story of, but by the end of it, there was a love triangle, and I was actually rooting for someone. And that does not happen for me to ship people when it comes to TV shows. And I was actually pulling, I was like, oh my goodness, this show got me. It's so well put together because it is very. What's the word I'm looking for? It is very deliberately put together, and that's why I'm so impressed by it, is that every last thing is scripted and put there for a reason. It's not just, you know, thrown together and a
0: bunch of uh, bunch of poop jokes or
1: something. So those are there. They're there, and they're there on
0: purpose, guys. Oh, man. You got, okay, this one, th- there's a similar thread here that I, it will tie into my Weekly Geekery at the end of this, but remind me of that when we get to it. Um, okay. Okay, I think that was it for TV for us. Um, yeah. As far works. as books... I've read a bunch of books. I'm always reading and listening on Audible. I haven't had any that either came out in 2016 or that I found in 2016 that blew me away. But do you have any? I think you have at least one, the, right?
1: I have one, and it I didn't know that it really existed. I may have mentioned this before, um, but it was Homeland by Corey Doctorow. I absolutely adore Cory Doctorow. He is everything that I would like to be in a science fiction writer. Homeland is the sequel to a book called Little Brother, which is all about the it's essentially talking about Internet security and Internet privacy and digital encryption. But it's written for a young adult audience. It's written to actually teach people how uh, cryptography works. Oh, interesting. It is awesome. It I learned how public keys work through reading Little Brother. Homeland is the sequel to it. I didn't realize that Homeland had even been released when I saw, I think I had seen Corey Doctorow tweet about it or maybe I read an article about it and noticed that it was on his website for free because he releases all of his books for free on his website and includes uh, basically advertisements in it for bookstores that he's been in and things like that That's not that are not in the production versions from Tor. I mean, Tor is his publisher and they let him do this Because he is so big on basically free and public information. And that's what these books are about. And I am all about free and public information. So these really hit a chord with me. And Homeland is about basically the same thing as the Edward Snowden leaks, the whistleblowing kind of thing. And it's, it's dealing with that from a young adult perspective. But it never once comes across as being trite. It never comes across as being talking down to the audience it speaks on these as a, it speaks on these issues as very high level and like i said i learned about public keys and digital encryption from little brother and how you know like Paranoid uh, they have one in there called Paranoid Linux but how encryption and encrypted OSs and things like that work this one I'm learning the same thing about the deep web talking about the dark web and all of the just all of the way that the Onion router and and those that tour works and uh, VPNs it, it talks about how data is transferred and I'm learning a lot from this and I downloaded it for free off of his website and have been reading it on iBooks on my phone at night that I haven't finished it but it is it is by far the only book this year that has been able to keep my attention that i know that i will finish okay
0: so we know beach is on some kind of list now um probably yes yes absolutely (laughs) sorry it's just maybe you are no that actually sounds interesting i might have to check out that book but as far as comics like um comics is next up I think I talked about it in our comics episode, but Rat Queens is one I found this year that I really like. Okay, so I won't talk about it a ton here because you can go back and listen to our comic episode, which I think is maybe episode two of the podcast. Rat Queens is basically like an adult rated Dungeons and Dragons world, and it's a group of female... Adventurers, so it's a female adventuring party that goes on, you know, Dungeons and Dragons type quests. But there's definitely violence and sex in it to a level that would give it some kind of M or adult rating. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely. yeah, it's really good. And just so you guys know, on Rat Queens, that if you download the Comicsology app,
1: there is a free, basically preview issue for it. That, that's all I've read of it, but it was engaging and entertaining. So I haven't read the series, but the, if you want to see if it's your kind of comic, and it is my kind of comic, it's very interesting. That once I get a chance to buy it or find it on something, I will be reading Rat Queens. It's very good. Cool. Uh, but my comics, I wanted to talk about Miss Marvel. Oh, that's a good I, one i just finished ms marvel it was was it yesterday i finished it or maybe the day before i finished through all of the trades my wife got me into this that usually it's the other way around my wife asked me because she hasn't read a whole lot of comics she'll ask me about what comics i suggest i'll give her a trade i'll suggest something or she reads about something on the internet and goes and gets it and this time she she found out about kamala khan and ms marvel and she wanted to read it so she bought the first trade And she made me read it. And so she's bought the first four trades that are out right now. And it is I finally got around to reading all of them. And I wasn't nearly as far along as I thought I was. I'd only read around the first six issues. So I read the last three trades just sitting in my office when my internet went out the other night. And they are so good. They are weird. Kamala Khan is... How can I put this for you guys? Kamala Khan is a Pakistani-American Muslim superhero who gets superpowers uh, and claims Ms. Marvel as her title because she saw Captain Marvel save New York and has been writing fan fiction about her on the internet. And that's why she chose this title. It is weird and quirky. You get to see like dream sequences of her fan fiction of like the Avengers riding dragons fighting unicorns on Rainbow Land. It is... It's weird stuff. She has Lockjaw, a giant teleporting dog, as a sidekick. She teams up with Wolverine. Loki goes to a high school dance. (laughs) It's just awesome. Everything about this is my kind of weird. I love weird stuff, and I love really sassy, quirky stuff, and this is basically everything that I love put in one book and made into a wonderfully awesome wonderfully awesome superhero comic where the bad guy is a clone of Thomas Edison that was contaminated by cockatiel DNA.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird all the way through. Super weird. Did you actually, did you finish all the way through Secret War with it?
1: No, it ended right as Secret War started, and the next trade comes out, I think July
0: 12th, and I have it pre-ordered. Okay, yeah, it's good all the way through. I read everything that was available as of about a month ago, and yeah, I like that one a lot too. I mean, I don't have anything to add, because you, covered it very thoroughly but it's it's a good one i will second that and then okay so board games i know you don't have any board games on no, this list I don't, not a one you don't really play them as much as i do no but i have to bring up pandemic legacy because it is the single best board game that i've ever played and um we haven't done a board game episode yet i have to give a little context um, True. I got into modern board games about ooh five years ago, maybe. Um, around the time, maybe five or six years ago, probably around the time my daughter was born. Um, a little bit after that, and. It was basically like co-workers at work who were into the same things I was, right? The, the same kind of TV shows, same kind of books, same kind of movies and video games. I had a couple guys that I bonded with. And they said, well, you play video games all the time. Do you play board games? And I was like, no, you know, I, I used to when I was a kid, never really got into it. And they said, well, have you played modern board games? And I was like, what do you mean? They said, well, board games right. is kind of starting to have a resurgence. Have you played anything that's come out in the last five years? And I was like, no, there are new board games. <laughs> what? And yep. That was my stepping stone into it. So I've been playing board games consistently for probably the last five years, and they are all newish board games, things that have come out very recently. Uh, I'm not talking about anything like Monopoly or Sorry or none of the classics. We're talking modern ones. Pandemic is one of the modern board games that's really good. You and it's a co-op game, which I love co-op games in the first place. It's a co-op game where you and everyone else around the table, it's like one to four players you are trying to contain four separate diseases that are spreading around the globe. You have to keep them in check and then eradicate a certain amount. And if you can do that, then you win the game. That does sound super interesting. Yeah, and it's it's a really fun game. So if you're looking for just kind of a board game to pick up, I, I recommend Pandemic. Pandemic Legacy is um, the second legacy game that has come out. And a legacy game means that what you do on your board in one game things about it will stay for the next game so Whoa. pandemic legacy tells the story of the world across an entire year you are again a member of like the cdc and things start happening with one of the viruses so i'm not going to give away it. there are spoilers for this board game basically wow. because it tells a story but let me tell you about some of the mechanics instead of the story because i mean your cdc and then things change But that's the core of the game is that things change as you play along. So if you're going to play this, play it with a consistent group if that means it's only you and your wife or, you know, you and your one buddy, that is fine. It works perfectly good as a two player game. We played it as a three player game. I think it goes up to five players maybe, but you want to play it with the same group for every single session. If you complete your objectives in a month in the game, you know, which is essentially one board game that you sit down and play one round, right? If you complete your objectives that month, Some things happen, and then you move on to the next month. If you fail your objectives, you get a second chance at the back half of that month, and then you go on whether you win or lose, and whether you win or lose will affect things. So midway through a a game, you might be halfway through a game, and suddenly you get a new objective on the board and you tear up an old objective that you were working for or you have to pull out a new card or a new piece or a new mechanic to the game comes out mid-game. They actually have you physically tearing up cards, right? And getting rid of pieces permanently. Or you put stickers on the board that will stay there forever ever you know you get um wow you get some cards that are a one use card and if you use that you know it will absolutely change the rest of the game you play until you finish with the entire year i mean this game is fantastic and i would love to talk about it in a spoiler cast sometime but i want to put it on everyone's radar if you have not played a modern board game and you can get a consistent group even if it's just you and one other person go get pandemic legacy cuz like i said at the beginning it is the single best board game i have ever played in my entire life
1: now when you say play it with the same group over and over do you have to leave the board set up to keep it that way or do the things like stickers and the way the the cards work can you put it away and come back or do you need a designated spot for this
0: no you you put it away and come back you don't have to leave it set up um you basically you play a round which would kind of be like playing the normal board game once and at the end of that round there are a couple things you have to do so you would like write down on your character sheet you know like maybe new traits for your character or what happened you record it and then any stickers you put down on the board will stay on the board until next time um, you okay. know, you might, maybe you'll unlock a new character or you'll unlock a new objective or you tear up an old objective. That's the kind of stuff that's persistent, right? But it's not something you have to leave set up on your kitchen table.
1: All right. Because I was like that, that would be very obnoxious to, you know, over the course of a year, if you've got three months out of it, you know, playing it once a week or anything like that, it'll be very, it'll be very hard to keep up in a lot of our, you know, our houses.
0: Yeah. So that's not an issue that you have to worry about. Um, but yeah, it's it's really really good.
1: I will. I need to check that out. That that sounds awesome. May, I need to be able to convince Jennifer to play that. Then
0: you should. She could be your partner, and you would have an amazing time. And then we can do a spoiler cast. Okay, That's sorry, true. I I got to gush over my favorite board game ever. Um, so video games. Why don't you go first for this one?
1: I wanted I had to touch on Disney Infinity because it is what got me back into gaming before we started this podcast for a very long time. I have avoided console gaming and PC gaming and didn't really play a lot of games because I wasn't able to find anything that could hold my attention for very long. My mom bought me the Star Wars Disney Infinity starter pack for my birthday or an early birthday present because that's so I could play it over my Christmas break. And basically, it's all I did every day that uh, Jennifer was wondering, my wife was wondering how I could sit in one place and play one video game as much as I did and uh, was a little worried about me because of the way that I've dived into other games in the past and had a real problem with it and it was just so good everything about it was so well put together that i loved collecting the toys i'm a big toy guy i loved the the creation part of it being able to make my own levels i loved the the just the gameplay it felt like kingdom hearts meets minecraft and then i find i'm so excited about this i'm buying toys i am playing through the levels i'm super excited about every new release they have then i find out that they're canceling it there's not going to be anything else yeah that i am I'm just so sad that what actually got me back into being the geek that I was for years has now gone away. But it it served its purpose for me, I suppose. But I really am sad that it was such a well-made product and it's just gone now. That seeing the Spider-Gwen and Captain, uh, not Captain America, the Spider-Gwen and Doctor Strange figures that they were going to release makes me terribly sad because they were so beautifully crafted and they look like they would be so
0: much fun to play. I'm just glad that we still get to keep our figures that we have. I mean, mine are mostly just toys for my kids, so they're all going to get destroyed. But you get to keep your figures and have them on a shelf, and they'll still look awesome forever.
1: It's true, and I'm eventually going to be able to buy the Star Wars ones super cheap and be able to set them up in wonderful dioramas hanging from my ceiling.
0: Okay, cool. I think we should jump back and forth on our list because we both have a bunch of video games. Um, We do. Let me take my turn to just scan over a couple things I've already talked about a bunch on the podcast so right. um, Vive games I'm still loving VR I'm really excited for the future Audio Shield and Hollow Point continue to get a lot of my time Audio Shield is the um, you know you can pick any of your own music and it generates a track of like notes that come at you and you block them with the shield that one's really fun Hollow Point puts you inside of some kind of dojo and you get a bow and arrow and I love archery mm. and that one is just a blast and then I'm still playing um, every time Hearthstone releases a new expansion I play it again and I pick up a bunch of new cards but my favorite thing continues to be the single player adventures in it with pre-made decks Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to get sick of that and chances of me picking up every hearthstone single player adventure ever are very very high and then the last one that we talked about a ton because we we had a whole podcast on it was overwatch i still love overwatch they just patched in competitive play this week so we will see how that pans out long term it's been in play for about two days now so it's way too early to tell but I'm consistently playing Overwatch, and like I've said earlier, um, I already know that that one is going to become an evergreen game for me.
1: I'm all over Overwatch too. I am all over it in the good way, not as though I'm over that. I am. I'm all over it. I'm playing it every day. I, I was playing it when my power supply died on my PC. That I'm waiting there for the replacement right now, so I haven't even gotten to try the the competitive play yet. And I love it. It's one of those things where. Maybe I'm not playing it as long as I was at the time before when it first came out, when it was brand new, but I'm still having fun every single time I log in. I'm noticing a little bit more of the people who are being hyper competitive in free play which will hopefully go out now that competitive play is in and we're matched with people of our own matchmaking ranking that that will hopefully go out the door where if I'm looking for a competitive game I can get it and with people of equal skill levels and if I just want one to run around try out a new new hero I can do it But but I'm the same way you are. Overwatch is awesome. And I haven't gotten the last what uh, Hearthstone single player adventure, but I'm right there with you. I didn't even think about that. I love their adventures. I love
0: the single player stuff, especially the challenges, the class challenges. I just love. I adore. Yeah. Anything with a pre pre pre-made deck in that game, I really enjoy. I don't. I'm not a big fan of deck building itself, but I love piloting a well-made deck. So those ones make me happy. Cool. So Overwatch and Hearthstone, Um, Stardew Valley. And I don't know, is this one on your list? It's on my list and and I have a question mark beside it.
1: And the only thing that I had to say about it was that it was such a wonderful game that I put next to no time into. I feel really bad because I bought it. I was so excited about it. It's so well made. And then I just never logged on again. I just started doing other
0: things and see, I I beat it. I mean, you can't really (laughs) beat it, but to beat that sandbox. um, There's a set of objectives you get very early. It's early ish in the game. But basically, um, you get the option to like complete this community center by collecting very specific items and it will take you multiple, multiple years to do it. Um, This is a big spoiler because it happens early in the game. I played enough to complete the entire community center. And then I finished out my first two years or is it three years, two or three years. And you get to the point where you get a little cutscene That's kind of like, this is the end of the main content of the game, you know? And then you can keep playing forever if you want. But I beat that much and I loved it up to that point. Like if you are a Harvest Moon fan and you haven't played Harvest Moon in a while, This is a better version of Harvest Moon that you can really sink your teeth into if you want to. And if you don't, I mean, you might just play for a little bit and like it and then not come back, which is what Beej did.
1: Yeah. And I'll eventually go back to it. I have no doubt in my mind that one day I'm going to be in the mood for just a relaxing, beautiful, pretty game that is that is just very chill. And I'll go find it and go log on, find a dungeon, find some people to talk to, deliver some mail, cut down some bushes. And I'll have a wonderful time because it is a well-made game. Everything about it is super
0: well-made. I don't know why I never logged it back on. I never just never booted it back up. I think you will someday you're going to you're just going to boot it back up when you see it in your Steam library, like on a whim, you're going to boot it up and you can easily get back hooked in like hooked back yep. into
1: it. And I keep it installed for just that reason that I have a series of games on Steam that I not playing through and not don't have any intention of playing through l- l- anytime soon. But I'm going to keep them installed because one day I'm gonna be like, you know what? I want to play that and then just immediately
0: start it up and get invested because I know me well enough to do that. Cool. So I also want to talk about SteamWorld Heist, which I played on 3DS right when it came out. Um, I was a fan okay. of SteamWorld Dig, so I knew these developers okay. already and kind of trusted what they were going to do. SteamWorld Heist is the same art asset, not the same art assets, but the same art style. And I'm pretty sure it's running on the same engine. If not, it's a very similar engine, which probably saved them time. But the game, mm. the gameplay itself is totally different. Um, SteamWorld Heist has you captaining a ship in space and you're essentially robotic space pirates and oh. you go attached to another ship where you have to go into the ship and complete an objective and get out of the ship it's a turn-based strategy game which i like in the first place but it's um it's a 2d side view you move your characters in you know turn based like turn by turn you move them to wherever they go but then To actually attack an enemy, it's a skill shot with some kind of projectile weapon. So, whether it's like a pistol or a sniper rifle or um, some kind of something with an arc, you know, like a grenade launcher or a throne item, like it's a trajectory game, but it's also a turn based strategy game, and they've been mashed together. And I really, really liked it. And I know that it just came out on like all of the systems it wasn't out on before. So, even though I played this way at the beginning of the year a lot of people are just finding it in the last week or two as it comes out on more systems that sounds fantastic i you
1: had me at turn-based strategy and you sold me on trajectory game I one of my earliest memories of gaming and I probably shouldn't say of gaming because that started when I was two years old. But one of my earliest, like most fond memories of computing, of computer gaming was Gorilla.BAS. Did you play this? No. Okay. On on, it, it, it was written in QBasic. This is how I learned to program. Uh, initially, okay, this was a while ago, but yeah, yeah, this was a long time ago. It was a trajectory game where you were two gorillas standing on skyscrapers in MS DOS throwing bananas at each other, and you had to give it a power, an X axis, and a Y axis. And you were trying to blow the other gorilla up with exploding bananas. <laughs> that I'm <laughs> that sure sounds, it's on the good. internet somewhere. If you Google gorilla.bas, that you will find it and be able to play it. And that gave me a love of trajectory games since the time, gosh, I was probably maybe five or six whenever this was out. I don't remember when everybody started getting their first computers, eight maybe, but it is, that's what got me into programming because it was a uh, close, it wasn't closed source. The only way you could see what. The code was was to have the program so everybody knew exactly what the code looked like for that. So I taught myself how to game program and made Snake or something like that by learning QBasic from that game. So, yes, I will definitely be picking
0: up SteamWorld Heist because of just nostalgia on top of it sounding awesome. Yeah. And on top of that one, I mean, since we're on turn based strategy anyway, um, I beat Fire Emblem Fates Birthright. And I'm about ah. halfway through the conquest campaign right now of Fire Emblem Fates. So I really like that one. Um, It's probably going to be up in my game of the year list, but I'm still playing through Conquest and then I'm pretty sure I'll probably get back around to beating the third campaign, which is Revelation sometime by the end of the year. So I will have more in-depth impressions of that. It's it's basically another Fire Emblem game. If you like a good Japanese turn based strategy game, that's what it offers you and not a whole lot else i mean it has some really cool like relationship pairing relationship growing things in the game too but i mean it's it's a very very solid nintendo system turn-based strategy game it's on 3ds um and it it also has me super excited to see what they do for fire emblem in the fall when they release the first fire emblem game on mobile because that has a huge chance of sucking me in for a long time
1: that that one's going to get me. I know it will because of how much I played Advance Wars and things like that on my... Oh, what was the system called? Void? Oh, my goodness. The, yeah, Game Boy uh, Advance. Game Boy Advance SP. That was it. Thank yep. you. Uh, just being able to keep it in my pocket. That was what got me just being able to pause it and close, the, close it and throw it in my pocket and pick it back up again. That's what is hero academy and mobile turn-based strategy games are my weakness it will fire emblem will
0: definitely be will will, will destroy me i think yeah fire emblem on mobile is probably going to hook you then and then i also want to talk about persona 4 golden so this is not a 2016 game by any means but i have not gotten around to playing it until this year And it's one of the best Japanese RPGs that I've ever played and I've played a lot of them because it's a it's a genre that I like the battle system is good It's solid um, as far as JRPG battle systems. It's it's totally serviceable and fine, but the core of the game that's interesting are the story that it has to tell you are meeting new people and like leveling up your social links between them which (laughs) unlocks more cutscenes that deepen their relationships and it's not like it's not one of those weird like anime dating relationship right. like you're trying to, you know, unlock it so you can see them naked. That's not this game at all. <laughs> this is a game where it's it's like a legitimate human relationship that you are growing over time if you put the time into it. Wow. And it takes place over basically an entire calendar year where you are the new kid in town. You've come from the big city and you're going to live with your uncle and your cousin for a year in this small town. It's basically like you adjusting to life there. And then there's also this whole paranormal aspect, which is where the battle system comes into and the crazy Japanese stuff comes into it. Right. But the day to day is what I found compelling. Um, the persona Four just like you go to school and then after that you meet up with a friend or you meet up with your group of friends or, you know, you pick another social link to work on and you kind of work towards a relationship. It's it's very fascinating. And I loved it. What's always interested me about the Persona
1: games and I've never played one was the urban setting that they have rather than the traditional fantasy JRPG that I really like the really like the idea of going in and having this going to school aspect and looking at at the
0: characters as real people and real relatable people. And this is my first Persona game and it has me so excited for Persona 5 like it's not even funny. I am so psyched for that game. When does it come out? Uh, It keeps getting delayed. I think it's 2017 Aww. now. It was supposed to be this oh. fall and then it got bumped, which is probably OK because this fall is going to have Final Fantasy 15 and you can right. only sell so many JRPGs in the West <laughs> at the same time. That's that's very true. <laughs> but um, I, I'm super, super excited for Persona 5 after playing Persona 4 Golden. It's just yeah. it's fantastic. Like it was an amazing experience.
1: Yeah, that sounds awesome. I really should play a Persona game, apparently. And for me, you know, the RPG thing is I actually picked up Elder Scrolls Online recently. After listening to your Video Game News Now uh, podcast about the 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 Tamriel 1, oh, yeah. or 1 Tamriel, that made me look up and see how cheaply I could get Elder Scrolls Online. I found it for $20, and I, I grabbed it, and I booted it up. And I figured I'm out 20 bucks at the worst, but you know, maybe this will be more fun than it was in beta because I hated it in beta. I despised getting into that game in beta and it is far, 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 far better than it was in beta. It actually, for the first time, for me at least, feels like an Elder Scrolls game with a few other people kind of running around. I mean... I run around and I found these little dungeony delves that I go into and kill a boss and find treasure chests. I'm, I guess for me, is I'm not treating it like an MMO this time, that it's just an Elder Scrolls game, that I'm going through the quest, I'm going through the story, I'm paying attention to what's going on with the narrative, but I'm not. I'm not looking at it as having any sort of progression or attachment to this character in terms of gear or whether I'm speccing correctly. I'm just having fun and experiencing the story and exploring the world like I do any other Elder Scrolls game. And it really feels like one at this point. And it didn't when I tried it before. So even though it's not a 2016 game, it's one of those that is going with the one Tamriel where they make all content scale to you, no matter what it is, that's going to make this game just open up for me just so I can explore and see the world. That
0: was why I picked it up because that's what I love about Elder Scrolls games anyway. Well, and I mean, you found it in 2016. I think that's more important. Um, Sometimes people get too hung up in these lists so did it come out in this calendar year? But it's more like you know you can't consume all the media in any given year. Like things slip by you, and then you get back to them, and that's okay. Like yeah, I just it it sounds cool. I'm glad that you got into it and you like it. I don't think it's for me because it is an MMO, even if you're not treating it like one. But I'm glad to hear that you are enjoying it.
1: It does the MMO thing with a story way better than the Old Republic did, and that's kind of what I'm gauging it on. Where the Old Republic stopped. Even though it had the story, it never felt like it could be a single player game because it pl- it plays like the Burning Crusade World of Warcraft with Star Wars story. But this one actually plays like one of the Elder Scrolls games. You can steal, you you run through and find barrels and crates. This one, I'm just. There just happened to be other people around, and that is that is that is a big difference for me in terms of what
0: I'm comparing it to, I suppose. Well, and I mean, MMO games can kind of carry year to year because they update and yeah. they change, which, I mean, that's kind of like the next one on your list anyway. You know, they keep updating it and changing it.
1: Every year, that is. I was actually wondering when they would change it to Marvel Heroes 2016, uh, but You guys need to play Marvel Heroes. It is not my kind of game at all, which is why I wanted to include it here. I hate Diablo-style action RPGs they are boring and repetitive for me. I don't like clicking to pick up loot. I don't like clicking to attack. I don't like anything about the isometric action RPG genre. I keep trying it. I bought Diablo 3. I've played all the Diablo games. I played Sacred and, uh, whatever the Torchlight. Just don't like them. They're just not for me. But Marvel Heroes, really stuck with me it is one of my evergreen games where every so often i just go back and see what's going on i go back i don't even have a max level character but it's fun to run around as captain america and smash things and beat up villains it's fun to go around as spider-man and right now i spent about half an hour the other morning collecting slices of birthday cake for the celebration for their three-year celebration and beating up dinosaurs in the savage land and I, i beat up Sauron and it's just so fun to just see these places that that I grew up with in comic books and and play these characters actually play as the characters in an MMO and it's an MMO action RPG it's online it's MMO-ish but there's a story that's written by Brian Michael Bendis that takes you through it that if you don't even want to bother with any of the MMO or online elements of it you can just go through and have these pseudo and Animated cutscenes to tell you this story by brian michael bendis that goes all the way across the marvel the marvel universe and you get to see all of these characters who are voice acted and just going through you know this story it's entertaining it's fun and there's something really satisfying about slamming a web bomb down on a group of like six
0: dinosaurs with lasers on their heads and it's free to play also, so and you it's guys free to play. can get yeah. into it for literally zero dollars, which is cool. Um, I played it, and I have not loved it the way that you have, but I can say that I also do not like Diablo very much, and I like this much, much better than Diablo. Um, have How long ago have you tried it? I tried it last year, like very okay. recently, in the last... Okay. S- in the last six months, probably I tried it.
1: That makes sense because I tried it initially and really, really did not like it during their initial release. Then I picked it up after the 2015 release and they had made so many improvements that it is definitely going to be one of those. It is one of those that I cycle through and I'm like, eh, I
0: have some, I have a few minutes to kill. I'll play this. Yeah. And if you have any questions about Marvel Heroes, I know one of our listeners who's also a very good friend of mine on Twitter at BraxWolf. His name is BraxWolf, but you can add him at BraxWolf on Twitter. He is huge into Marvel Heroes. If you have any questions about the game or getting started, seriously, just hit him up because I know him as a guy and he will definitely respond and help you out because he's amazing like that.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, I was talking to him this uh, this week about Marvel Heroes.
0: Okay, so before we get in, there's one last game that was on both of our lists. I was saving for last. Before that, I wanted to ask, I know that you played Pokemon this year on your 2DS. Does it make the cut Uh, or not? No. Okay, that's it. That's all I needed. Just a yes or no at this point. If it's no, then I mean, that's okay. You have a lot of other good games on here. Do you want to expand on that? You can,
1: I will eventually go back and finish the story, get through the legendaries and see the entire game. But it got too repetitive for me. And the story wasn't nearly as engaging to keep playing over and over again. Once I boot up my 2DS, I'll be playing it and then I will be trying to complete my Pokédex. But it's one of them where I felt like I wasn't getting nearly enough out for the time that I was putting in.
0: Yeah, that's understandable. Pokemon games tend to get repetitive. But But I am looking forward to Pokemon Go. So I am looking forward to that. Me too. No, we'll see how that happens. Actually, next month, sometime next month. That'll be exciting. So the last one for actually the last one on our list for the main topic is on both of our lists. And it's actually a contender for my game of the year still. It's Firewatch, which we have mentioned in passing. I don't know if we ever got super deep into it. I don't think we ever got really deep into it. So Firewatch... Like the general premise is that you are a guy and um, you had something happen in your life. So you just need to get away for a little bit. So you go it's set in the 80s and you basically go out to the Colorado wilderness and you take a summer job. Of sitting in a firewatch tower for the entire summer and you kind of are in charge of the land immediately around your tower keeping an eye out for wildfires and then your only direct communication in the entire game is with your direct supervisor who's in a tower next to you and you can see her you can't see her you can see her tower and you have radio communication with her via walkie talkie and that's it like that's your only real communication in the entire game And Mm -hmm. it just makes for a fantastic narrative. It is a first person adventure game where you're wandering
1: around experiencing this narrative. And it is so much fun to explore. I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd heard really good things. And when we did mention it before, I I said that Void sent me a gift copy of this because he wanted to hear me talk about it. I want to talk to me afterward. And I beat it in one day. It's a very short game. I think I did it in five or six hours, and in one sitting, I made a sandwich between and then went back and finished the game. And I think most people can probably get through it. If you rush through it,
0: you could do it in three or four
1: Don't rush. I feel
0: like I took my time and I finished it in about three and a half. But okay, I play a ton of games, so I could see all of the underlying systems very easily, and I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. But yeah, I mean, somewhere in like the three to six hour range is where most people are gonna come in, and that's okay. Yeah, it is worth every penny that you pay for it. If this game were an hour
1: long it would if it takes you an hour to beat it it would still be worth the money that you paid for it because the narrative is so good and in i don't want to say enthralling because that's that that's kind of but it kind of not of exactly it
0: but it is like i played it in one sitting too and most people i've played i've most people i've talked to about it have played it in one sitting because you get sucked in and you want to know what happens and it's it's a narrative that wouldn't you can't tell this narrative through any other medium except for a video game
1: yes And this may be the only game I've ever experienced that is truly that way, that there are other games that are fantastic video games and fantastic stories. And even there are the ones that are just fantastic video game stories. But this is the only one that I can think of off the top of my head that if it were a movie, if it were a novel, if it were a an audio drama podcast or anything like that. It would not have anywhere near the same immersive factor, the same uh, connection to, to me emotionally as I did with it being
0: a video game because it being a video game made this so much better. It's just it's amazing. I mean, I I knew you would like this one because you like narrative in games when it's done well. And mm-hmm. like I said, this is right up there in contention for my game of the year. It'll depend on how I weigh different games and some of the releases this fall. But it's it's going to be on my list of top five at the very least. Like, oh, yeah. Firewatch is just amazing. And I mean, there's a Steam sale going on right now. It's probably on sale. You should definitely take a look at it. $13 and 33 cents. Oh, so worth the money. It's it's just fantastic. And like, you know, I I don't want to get into the story because we don't want to give anything away. Mm -mm. But it's very well done. If you have a PC and you have Steam installed right now, go check it out on the Steam sale. It's totally worth your time.
1: I was grabbed by this game within the first 10 seconds because there is a very small text adventure at the very beginning, basically where you're setting up the story, you're answering questions and and basically choose-your-own-adventure kind of, kind of questions and scenarios. I didn't realize that the game had started at first, and it was just this very low-key background, some text on it. I was just reading, and I finally realized I could interact with it. By the time that was over and I got control of the main character... I knew that I was going to play through this game and experience it the entire way through and see what happened. That from the... Before I even saw the game's graphics, the story had hooked me. I I just... I can't say enough good things about this game. Firewatch is just it's amazing. Now, there is also the studio did another game that this is a fault that had a previous game called Gone Home that I haven't played yet that I need to get because I've heard wonderful things about it as well. And you've
0: played it, haven't you? I have. Gone Home is pretty good, too, but it's not nearly to the level that this is. Okay. but yeah, I mean, I it's, sure. if I've you heard see good it on things. Super Sale on Steam or something, it's worth picking up for a couple bucks. But Firewatch mm. just blows it out of the water. No contest. Okay. Um, that being said, we should probably move on to our Weekly Geekery because we're getting up there on time. If you don't know, our Weekly Geekery is where we share what we've been geeking out about this week in particular. Why don't you go first? Uh, This week, I have actually moved back. My weekly geekery is Team
1: Treehouse. I have moved back into coding. I'm working on learning uh, web development, computer programming. It's weird because I haven't quite found a niche yet. I just need to learn how to code. And... I saw an ad six months ago on Hulu for Team Treehouse, and it really put into my head, you used to love to code, maybe you could do it again. And so I started looking around, I learned some Ruby, I learned Rails, I I started building my own websites out of it, and then I started learning just various things like this. And I got frustrated because I really tried every free place that I could. I tried Code Wars, Code Academy, Code School, Free Code Camp, just all of them. And they're all good to a point. I bought some courses on uh, the Next Web and things like that for udemy courses basically that were on sale and they're very good but none of them did what i needed to this week i decided to give treehouse a try and they're legitimate online courses i have been spending pretty much every spare minute that i have watching and coding on treehouse and it is by far my favorite of these places so far i've probably put 12 to 13 hours in the last couple of days of just working on JavaScript. JavaScript and jQuery have been where I started on this. And they actually have, I think the JavaScript track is 52 hours of instruction that I'm going to work through before moving on to PHP. And I can't speak highly enough of how much better this works for my learning style than just reading it and typing it into a browser or reading a book, typing out exercises. I've actually learned more this way than I thought that I would be able to. So yeah, this week, it really is Team Treehouse, uh, TeamTreehouse.com is great. If you want to learn how to code, try the seven day trial. It's really cool.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's always nice to find the kind of tutorials that click with you. For me, it was always, I, I, I still love code academy um which is now shortened to code academy but um that's that's for me you know i I like to read it and type it and like work with it you said that the videos helped you a lot which is something that code academy doesn't have but treehouse does so it's cool to hear that you found one that you could finally latch on to yeah i latched on way more to that cool um for me this week um tying back into what you said about fuller house i watched (laughs) i I turned off my brain and then i went and i watched independence day resurgence my wife and i were the only ones in the theater for this and we talked about it the entire time we made fun of it the entire time it is the most fun i've had in a movie theater in i don't know how long because my wife and i are the same age And we were 90s kids when Independence Day came out and we loved it at the time, even though it's a cheesy movie. And like Independence Day Resurgence is exactly what you think is going to be. It is Independence Day again, just done in 2016. Awesome. There are no twists. There is nothing unexpected. Everything is unbelievable. It is full of plot holes. It is a bad movie that I absolutely loved. So that is part of my weekly geekery. If you can shut off your brain. For just a little bit, you can enjoy that one, Um, especially if you have someone there next to you making fun of it the whole time, which is the best way to experience it. The other thing in my weekly geekery, I finished the four job fiesta after all these weeks of talking about it. I finished it literally minutes before we started this episode of the podcast. <laughs> so, yep. I told Bij, I was like, "Hang on, we got to start a couple minutes late because I have to take my screenshots from the closing credits to prove that I did the challenge run correctly." And I did. So my my party of black mage summoner, beast master, samurai got me to the end. Um, I did really well until I got right at the end and the last boss, the final form of the last boss just totally stonewalled me like it. It put a huge stop in my path and I went to my people on Twitter and in Slack for my resources and I was like, what strategy do I need? How do I do this? So I I had to grind up some levels and they gave me a couple good tips. Basically, okay, let's let's get into a little bit of the details because I'm probably not going to talk about this later. Neo Death is the final form of the boss from Final Fantasy V. He was just destroying me, and I had no healing. My team was basically glass <laughs> cannons except for the samurai. The samurai had some survivability, but Black Mage Summoner Beastmaster, not so much, especially the two casters in there. So what I had to do in the end was grind in the last dungeon enough to get enough money so that I could leave the last dungeon entirely and go buy these super expensive rings called flame rings and equip all of my characters with flame rings, which lets them absorb fire damage. And then oh wow, basically every one of my characters, I had the secondary ability of black magic because that was my very first class that everybody had in the start of the game. So everybody could cast the most powerful fire spell, which means they can cast the most par- powerful fire spell On my own party and instead of damaging me it would heal me for a lot so that is how I beat it in the end I used offensive black magic as healing magic with flame rings and it gave me enough survivability to use guilt toss on my samurai to completely devastate the last boss Wow that was the strategy for my particular party that is intense well, it's it's really fun because you can't switch jobs. You know, if you could switch jobs, you go, oh, I just switch this to that, this to that yeah. and I win the game. But you can't. That's what this challenge run is about. It's how do I make it work under these constraints? It was tough, but it was also very fun. Um, I'm burned out on it right now, but I'm pretty sure when we come around to this point next year, I'm very likely to do it again. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And I would just like to read for everybody what the text messages said that I got immediately following Void getting out of the theater for Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, what did I say? I don't even remember. Independence Day Resurgence was glorious. It was exactly what I expected. We had a great time. To which I responded, that's awesome. Then he responded, I mean, it's exactly what you would expect. But if you liked the first one and want another one, it's perfect. Like
0: Warcraft, it will win zero awards. It will win zero awards. I guarantee that.
1: That is what got me. That was my favorite thing. I died laughing. I was walking down the street from lunch at this point. I'd gone to meet Jennifer for lunch and I look down and I have this conversation and I just burst out laughing at the phrase like Warcraft, it will win zero awards.
0: It was it it won't. It's not going to. And I had such a great time watching it. Exactly. Exactly. I love, I love good, bad stuff. Not bad, bad, but good, bad. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, which isn't really geekery, but I wanted to get it in here before we close out the show. Um, Ah, yeah. We've had a couple different geek out episodes hit the feed. So if you didn't look last week, I did one with Rob where we talked all about comics and the comic box. That was good. And then this week, Beige got to interview Kenny from, is it Dumbbells and Dragons or Dragons and Dumbbells?
1: Dumbbells and Dragons, I think. I always forget, but (laughs) I do, too. But his the Twitter is at Dumbbells Dragons. So
0: I go in with Dumbbells and Dragons. There you go. He got to interview him. Um, There's a geek out episode and they talked mostly about Pokemon Go. And as someone who wasn't part of the conversation, but I got to edit it and then listen to it when the episode went live. It just made me more excited for Pokemon Go. Like, I'm really excited for this app to hit. And Kenny is a field tester who gave a lot of cool inside information that I don't know if he was supposed to. But now I'm not sure if he was supposed to either, but we have it. We have it. And that's the important thing. So check your feed. If you're only set up to download, you know, our one episode every week, make sure you didn't miss it. The geek out episode right before this one. I think it's titled geek out Pokemon go, but that was a really good one too.
1: And just to say, keep an eye out on your feeds. If you're not listening to Nobi's uh, comic box podcast, another one of our shows, I'm going to be geeking out on it tomorrow morning. So during the next episode of the comic box, you're going to get to hear me talk about why I don't like Frank Miller's comics. So for those of you comics nerds out there, you can come and listen and give me some hate mail about that one because I'm expecting to get a
0: whole bunch for it. Awesome. I didn't know you had that set up already. That's that's really exciting for me as a listener. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys... If you guys want, it's the comic box. You can search it on most major services. Otherwise, click into our show notes, which are always attached to this podcast. There's a link in the bottom for the comic box so you can find it. As always, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. If you want to get email updates about our network's podcast, you can sign up now at geek2geekcast.net and tell us which shows you want updates about. You'll get a regular email whenever new episodes come out. Um, I blog almost daily at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, that's Green Mushroom without the E's, on Twitter. I also run the Video Game News Now podcast, which is the other one on our network, and if you're interested in getting gaming headline news quickly, you can check that out.
1: And I'm on Twitter as at Professor That's Beige with the two E's that I stole from him every week. And I host the Geek Fitness Health Hacks podcast as well, where I talk about fitness, weight loss, and geekery and things like that.
0: And you can find that at all
1: the normal podcast places, as well as geekfitness.net.
0: We've been Void and with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks.
1: Bye-bye, geeky Harry Paul.
0: But Star Wars, fork, Star, Wars, <laughs> Star
1: Wars The Fork Awakens. Star Wars The Fork Awakens. Ah, Star Wars
0: The Fork Awakens. They're hungry, ah, man. Ah.